This scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, begins with the 16th verse. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here ends the reading. So what do you know about the Bible? I asked the kids. What do you know about it? Anybody brave enough to say Biblical, say that again, I know, because I know you've got an acronym over here. A biblical instruction before leaving earth. Biblical instruction before leaving earth. There you go, okay? So it's for astronauts, right, okay? What's that? Inspired, right? Right, inspired by God, written by humans. That's something that we, that's something that we talk about a lot as Reformed, as Presbyterians and the Reformed theological tradition is that the Bible is inspired by the Spirit of God, but written by humans. Uh, especially for, for us Reformed people, most of us, we take the Bible very seriously, but we don't take it literally. And the reason for that is, is that human language is mostly not literal. Just think about the things you say on a regular basis. Most of the time, you're using a metaphor of some kind or another. So when someone says, well, the Bible, we got to take the Bible literally, I said, okay, so is Jesus a loaf of bread? Because in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the bread of life. And usually they're like, well, no, 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 that's not what I, uh, uh-huh. I mean, you, you, can, you can now start to be a little bit of an attorney. Let's define our terms here, right? What does literal mean? Well, literal means literal. It means this is that thing. And so the Bible, we don't, at least in our tradition, we don't talk about it being literal. But we take it very seriously. We believe that the, we believe that the Scripture, because what happens when you read the Scripture is you get, you get connected with the community of God over time. You get connected with the community of God over time. And we begin to, to enter into what we might call the literature. Meaning, if you're going to study something, I don't care if you're going to become an electrician, a woodworker, a teacher, a professor, a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, whatever it is that you're going to be, if you're going to rise up and become masterful at that craft or at that subject area, you've got to read the literature. You've got to be steeped in whatever that is. You've got to understand how it works. And to continue to grow and to change with, with whatever profession you're in, you've got to continue to study the literature. You've got to keep up with what's going on and how things are done so that you can continue to grow and to, and to be, and be masterful at your craft. 
And so it's fascinating to me how a lot of Christians will say that they read the Bible regularly, but most of us, just to be often, when we're, when we're honest, don't. You know, the big joke used to be, okay, pastor, we know you're coming over to the house. We're going to dust off the family Bible and put it on the coffee table, right? Because it wasn't getting much use. But it is, a, it is a collection of books that is to be used to steep ourselves in the literature of God. I mean, there's, there's what we might call history, though it's not really history in the way we think about it. People try to read it that way now. Post-enlightenment, we looked at history much more differently than they did pre-enlightenment. History than the historical books of the Bible are much more written to tell the story of the people of God rather than to strictly represent facts about what happens. I mean, even our history today, right? We, we talk about it all the time. History is often written by the winners. So there's a perspective on history. And so it becomes us, especially for students of history today, to try to find all the stories of history as much as we can. The winners, the losers, the in-betweeners. And in the scripture, what we, we get connected with that community that is over time. I love how our Jewish brothers and sisters view the Hebrew scriptures. They see it as a living and active collection of books. They see that the interpretation of, of those scriptures continues on and that you as a faithful Jewish person can add to that interpretation. That your voice, as you study it and take it seriously, your voice can be added to the thousands and thousands and thousands of other voices that have interpreted that scripture over time. They literally believe that it is a tree of life that gives life to the community of faith. I love that image. In some synagogues, where they take the, the, the scroll from, and many of them still have a scroll today that they will, or scrolls they'll read from, it is fashioned in a beautiful sculpture into a tree. So literally, when they take this, the, the scripture down, they're taking it and it's symbolically, metaphorically coming from this tree of life, and then it goes back in to be part of that. I love that image. The Bible was not thought of as a literal thing until the 20th century. That's what's crazy about it. We think that's gone on for all of time. It's been like 120 years that, we've, that, that there's been this idea that Scripture is literal and we have to take it word for word and no word can be changed and, and all that sort of thing. Before that, it was, it was also seen as this living, breathing document where we could connect with the stories of God and God's people. And so as followers of Christ, it really is incumbent upon us to be in the literature, to be in the scripture. It is difficult work. It is not easy to read a lot of the time. It is not always just simply instructions for life. A lot of people say, well, this is my, my toolkit for life, and I just go there and I get instructions for things. Well, let me tell you what, there's stuff going on in the world today the Bible doesn't even talk about. However... There are foundational pieces there that help teach us how to think about things, how to come at things, so that we can, in engaging with what we call the living Word of God, in God's Spirit and through Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, that we can then live in this day and age based off of biblical understandings, biblical principles, and the ways that God would have us live, love, and give.
And so we steep ourselves in these stories and in, and in these recollections of, of, of who Jesus was and how he was. Because how are we to know what God's kingdom is supposed to look like? How are we supposed to know how we're supposed to live, love, and give if we don't know the literature? If we're not steeped in it somehow, if we're not, if we're not letting it talk to us in our lives on a regular basis. What happens, I think, is, is because, because the political voices are so loud, the cultural voices are so loud, our company voices are so loud, our family voices are so loud, we, we sort of cobble together what we think the gospel is based on all of those. But here's the thing, none of those have the gospel. A political party doesn't have the gospel, your business doesn't have the gospel, our culture doesn't have the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. And where we find him most clearly is in the written word of God, the scripture. Martin Luther called the Bible the cradle that holds Christ. We don't worship the scripture. We don't, we don't lift it. We don't, oh, it's, I mean, we call it the holy Bible. Yes, we, we believe it's holy because it's set apart. It is set apart for us and for all people to learn about the ways of God and how to live and move and give and love in this day and time, all throughout time. And if you've been a student of the Bible throughout your life, what you realize is just like if you read a book in high school and, and hated it, and you come back and you read it again, you know, as a 20-year-old, you might still hate it, but you hate it for different reasons. <laughs> but then maybe as a 50-year-old, you come back and read it and you go, oh, now I get it. Now I understand what that writer, what this story is about. The Bible is very, very similar to that. You, you might read something today and go, ah, wow, I don't understand this. I don't get it. You go to your commentary or you, you start Googling online for that scripture and you start looking at it. You start looking at it in all kinds of different translations trying to understand. You're still like, I just don't get it. Well, I, I would just encourage you, if, if you're not getting it, to just go, okay, I'm not getting it now. That's Okay. Let it steep for a while. Let it marinate, as we say. Let it, let it work on me. And maybe I'll come back to it later and, and something will be revealed to me. Something will be shown to me. I, I have always admired people throughout my life who, who, could, who would say, oh, I've read, I read the scripture and it just inspired me in this way. It made me go this way or it made me think this way or it comforted me or, or all this sort of thing. Maybe it's just my own personality, but I have a love-hate relationship with the scripture. Most of the time when I go to the scripture, I feel about this big. It's very challenging to me because of the picture that it paints about what the kingdom of God is to be like and how we as a people are supposed to live, love, and give. But that's not a reason to stay away from it because as followers of Christ, We've chosen and been chosen to go on a path that is one of the most difficult paths we'll ever walk if we walk it faithfully. And that's a good thing. And that's a good thing because it ought to challenge us. Something that is so meaningful, something that is so deep, something that has such mystery to it. And you know my definition of mystery. Mystery is not something that we'll never understand. Mystery is something that has so much truth in it, you'll never plumb the depths of it. Think about that for just a minute. Mystery is something, not something that you'll never understand. It is something that has so much truth in it, you'll never plumb the depths of it. I think that's the scripture. 
We go back to the well over and over and over again, and we learn more and more, and we find more challenge, and sometimes we find comfort, and sometimes we find joy, and sometimes we find sorrow. It's all in there. All the great literature, all the great movies, all the, you know, anything that's going on in our culture is found, some of those bases of those stories is found in the Bible. We're now, we're now growing up in a time where so many people don't know these stories, haven't been steeped in the scripture, that they're like, oh my gosh, that movie was amazing. It talked about this, this, thus, and such. And I go, well, you know, that there's a story about that in the Bible. And they're like, what? I thought the Bible was just a, you know, like a religious text. I just thought it had happy, happy stories in it. I know. This is real people trying to live out a real faith in a real period of history over time. And I'll just, the Bible contradicts itself. Just get ready. There'll be people who tell you it doesn't, it does. It'll say one thing some one place and something another place. That is, I mean, I think, I think some of, sometimes you're, what you're talking about there is you've got real people writing that. It's inspired by God. There's real people writing it. And so people have different viewpoints on things. And we are the ones called as a community to discern what does that mean for us today? How do we move forward? How do we live, love, and give? I think when the, Bible, when the Bible is encountered appropriately and with the right kind of awe, with the right kind of seriousness, it changes us. It doesn't just confirm our worldview or our viewpoint. It changes us and challenges us in new ways to see our neighbor differently, to see the stranger differently, to see ourselves differently, to see the world and the universe in a very different light. And so I encourage you Read the Bible. Find a way to do that. There are all kinds, there are apps out there now you can put it on your phone. You know, it'll, it'll send you something every day so that you can be, you can be reading through scripture. There are, there are things, 90-day reading plans, 365-day reading plans. There's one that we particularly like that Jennifer's used for years. It's called D, just the, let, the letter D, 365, D365. It's an app. If you want to go to the website, it's d365.org. Every morning it will send you a devotional that has prayer and scripture and music in it. And it's not long, but it, but it gets you in, in the word. It gets you in prayer every day. Uh, we, have some, we have some folks who, one of the things they do is when they, when they go to, to work in the morning, the first thing they do when they log on their computer is they go to their email and it's there and they read that first before they, start, before they officially start their work day just to get their head right. Because I don't know about you, but when you go to work every day, sometimes, you know, what what you're going to face that day doesn't feel like a lot of fun. So to kind of get your head right, get in the scripture, get in prayer, open yourself up to where God's uh, leading you that day. The scripture is where we learn to see and to recognize what the good news is. Again, that the good news of God may not be good news of the culture. It may not be good news of a political party. It may not be good news of our company. It may not be good news of something of, our, of, of what our family values are. It may challenge all of that. It, it, may, it may turn that inside out and backwards. But if we can't, if we don't study the Bible and read it and let that influence us, we'll never know and we'll be working for things that maybe aren't part of the kingdom. 
mean, Jesus comes into his own community and he says, he reads this from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, this is Isaiah writing, but Jesus is speaking it because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. In that time and place, if you were poor, basically people thought that, that God didn't like you very much. That still pervades today, right? We, we often look at people who, who are poor or oppressed and we're like, well, God, you know, God must not like them very much. We don't say that out loud, perhaps. Or maybe we just go, well, you did something wrong. Your family did something wrong. Or you were just born in the wrong place, right? We just sort of write it off. But Jesus says, quoting Isaiah, he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bring the gospel to the poor, to send me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What Jesus is talking about here is, is a, a concept in the scripture called the Jubilee year. Every seven years, I, we don't know if it was ever practiced, but every seven years, the Hebrews were supposed to forgive all the debts in the community. So if Paul is having not a good year, he's a farmer, right? And, and I've got to loan him seed or I've got to loan him money or I've got to loan him cattle and he hasn't, he hasn't gotten me paid all the way back yet. In the seventh year, I'm supposed to be like, okay, Paul, we're even. It's all good. If Paul had to sell me his land because it got so bad, in the seventh year, I'm supposed to give it back to him. Pretty radical stuff. That's why we don't think they probably ever practiced it because they're humans, right? But this is what Jesus is talking about here. The year of the Lord's favor was the Jubilee year. It was the seven times seven. It was 50th year, the 50th year, and everything was supposed to be set back right. So, so if things had really gone astray, because for the Hebrews, they were given land. Each tribe was given land. So if it had been taken away over those 50 years, it was supposed to be all given back to that tribe so that it could be redistributed again. It's an, it's, a, it's an amazing biblical kind of thing. Again, probably never been practiced, but Jesus is saying, quoting Isaiah, this is it, and guess what? Today it's fulfilled in your hearing. And we think what he's saying is today in me, this is fulfilled. That good news is coming to the poor. Healing is coming to the blind and the sick and the lame that the oppressed are supposed to be set free. We're supposed to re-look at everything all over again. This was a huge thing. And then he gets kicked out of Nazareth. So it's an interesting uh, scripture passage because the people couldn't really handle this kind of good news. I think we still have a difficult time with it. But if we're not steeped in the scripture, there's no way we understand what this might mean. And so I don't mean to be berating you with this or, or trying to make you feel guilty if you haven't been reading the scripture. That's not my intention. I'm probably preaching to myself as much as anybody. Because you know, most of the time when I encounter scripture, here's my confession, it's in preparation for Sunday morning. Which is great. But then I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, okay, well, God, what do you want me to say to God's people? What, what do you want me to say to God's people? You know, and then I also say, well, what, do you want to, what are you saying to me through this, right? That's often where I start. But I'm not on a daily basis just often absorbing the scripture in a different way letting it work on me and challenge me and change me. And so that's something I'm going to work on this year, is to put some more regular just reading of the Bible in practice. One of the best ways to do that is, you know, join a, join a Sunday school class, start a Bible study with just a few friends, you know. 
There are some great study Bibles out there where you can, you can very easily read a scripture passage and it'll have questions for you to explore. You don't have to have the right answers. There are commentaries out there you can go by that help give you the basis for the scripture. There's all kinds of ways to engage it. This isn't about necessarily just, just learning the facts and figures of the Bible. It's about getting steeped in it. Reading the Bible is about joining the chorus of voices that have been talking about and interpreting the scripture for thousands upon thousands of years. Because when we do that, when we do that, we begin to hear the good news for ourselves in a different way. We come to love ourselves differently. We begin to look out at the world and at our neighbors and at strangers differently. We, I believe, become connected with that gospel and that hope that is for all time. And that can lead us to a place called the kingdom of God, which is exactly where I want to be. So I invite you to read the Bible. Amen.